0: And what is up, everybody? Oh, I'm my headphones. Give me a sleep. <laughs> See? I think. things you got to edit. Hey.
1: Mic check one. Mic check one. Yeah, I get bored.
0: <laughs> All right. Now we can go. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network podcast run by the Panthers Nation Instagram account. We're so happy this week to we'll be joined by the creator of the Panthers Nation account, Dominic Walters. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Living the dream. How are you guys doing?
0: I'm doing, I, mean, it, I gotta say, it was, it's nice to do a podcast episode after a Panthers win, but I don't know about you, Tyler, but it was just, you know, one of the weirder wins I've ever seen from this Panthers yeah. team.
2: Yeah. And the pre show we were just talking here, uh, just, you know, talking about the game. And we were, we were wondering if that even was football that we just watched, because I don't know what I just watched. And that was, uh, yeah, that was a win. It was a win at the end of the day. And, you know, a lot of people are gonna have different opinions on this win, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But, you know, I'm kind of, you know, flustered after watching that game.
0: No, I can't agree with that. And so this week we have something a little different for y'all. Jeff, for anyone who listens to the podcast knows that Jeff is a first, first off Titan fan, second off Panthers fan. So obviously he's got a, a huge game tonight, a Titans-Tigers matchup that's going to be really fun to watch. So he, he wanted to take a break this week and we're understandably, we're okay with that. And then Shantice himself is also working this week, but that's, you know, the benefit of having four hosts and having guys like Dominic. And so this week we're also throwing in something a little bit different. We have you know we've had fans on every week, but uh, this is a guy who's been with us since the beginning, since the beginning of our first podcast, and uh, he's a close friend of mine. So we're happy to be joined by Clay Sellers. Clay, how you doing, buddy?
3: I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here. I was uh, again with the pre-show, kind of echoing your thoughts about. It's great to come on after a Panthers win. Uh, haven't had too many of those this year, but uh, it's one of those, you know, mixed feeling wins. So I'm sure we'll get into it, but happy to be here.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We kind of have like, you know, with our podcast, we started, you know, we started this one in the middle of the season. So the old one we had, we had three wins in a row. We were, the, the episodes were so much fun. We were, so we were going to the
2: Super
0: Bowl. Big. Yeah, we were going to the Super oh, yeah. Bowl. We were, Teddy Bridgewater was the MVP. You know, we were, we were, we, no one was going to beat us. And then we started this one. I think we had a win, maybe week, like our second episode, I think, maybe. But other than that, I don't know if that, I think we had, mm-hmm. we had one win. I, I'm fairly certain that we were able to record before. Um, or record after. So that was always fun to watch. But yeah. I mean, we talk about it. I was like, I was just disinterested the entire game. Like there was nothing that excited me. There was, I had no reason. I was like just sitting there and it was the most uninsighted I've ever been for like a Panthers game. I was just kind of like, just a fan the whole time just watching it. And I don't know about any of y'all, but it was tough because I would have rather had the football team and Ron Rivera win this game and clinch a playoff spot than us, you know, move down in the draft order. <laughs>
2: yeah like we were talking about last week on the podcast it's that wear and tear of, you know not just the players deal with it in the nfl but also the fans especially if you're a panthers fan you'll know that how that wear and tear throughout the season goes and uh you know at this point it's you know we're not playing for much and you know we've, we've debated do we want to win um for you know a pride victory or do we want to lose and you know get a better pick in the draft and that was the main uh, main thing going into t- today and um, it really just makes the game confusing to watch. Um, and, yeah. Like you said, disinterested and, you know, we came away with the win, but uh, it wasn't pretty. And it wasn't pretty at all.
0: I say, Dom, it, it, we were, at least we weren't as bad as, you know, the Jags fans chanting for the bears and their own <laughs> game so that they would lose the game. We were, at least were not that bad. But I mean, what we what were your, your thoughts kind of as the game went on?
1: I mean, I didn't really uh, mind the game. I liked that we actually got the win. Um, you know, as Panther fans, I would rather uh, see us win, even though the draft pick might be one or two, um, you know, whatever you know best pick available. I actually liked uh, the turnout of the game. Um, I had a couple keys to the game. I wanted to key, uh, have Haskins beat us. Um, and he certainly uh, – he had to do that, and he could not. So that's why Heineke got to come in, um, and we had to contain the run game because um, we've been bleeding a lot, especially up the middle. And um, I don't know why they got rid of the run game, uh, second half. I thought it was working very well because, um, you know, he usually does. Um, and then be clean on special teams. <clears throat> and that's – I mean – we're allergic to special teams. That's usually um, our weak point, you know, through and through. Yeah, so, um, you know, we attacked all um, all three points, and then the biggest point was uh, control the line of scrimmage. And uh, I feel like we did that, you know, throughout the entire game, and um, it definitely showed. So, yeah,
0: d- definitely. I will say special teams-wise, I mean, we haven't had a special teams touchdown since we played the Giants back in, like, 2017. So, of course, this is the one week the guy who – the receiver, whose name I can never pronounce – gets a freaking touchdown. I, it was the funniest thing to oh. watch.
1: It's yeah, so like So
0: yeah, whatever the heck his yeah. name is. There's like, there's like eight consonants. There's no vowels except for the end. That's not a name. That's like a Wi-Fi password. It's, it's too hard to talk about. But there was one member of the special teams who's been doing, he's been the most consistent special teams player we have had all season. And he doesn't get a whole lot of love. And Clay knows who I'm talking about because we went to school with him. But you want to talk about him?
3: Yeah, I, uh, I love when Rico gets there on the field. Uh, Charlton does such a good job with, you know, such an unwelcome aspect of the game. I mean, no one wants to see their punter run out there. Um, But for Jack and I being former Gamecock fans, it's exciting to see what he can bring to the field. Um, And, you know, again, I feel like we've seen all season that he's been able to consistently put the ball in difficult positions for whoever we're playing. And Washington definitely dealt with that today. I mean, they didn't really have much going on offense. Um, But, you know, Dominique, to your point, I thought that, we played really well on defense. Uh, and the last time that Jack and I had a conversation about Panthers football, I said, you know, going into the season, I think it would be good to see, you know, us play like the Bears where you've got, you know, really solid defense, Bears of yesteryear, not necessarily um, of recent. But, uh, you know, a team with really good defense that puts together as much as they can on offense. And the first few weeks, I felt like I was totally wrong. And, you know, Jack mentioned we were sailing. We were 3-2 and two, and we looked pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, you see with wins like against the Lions and uh, with wins like today, you see what this team has the potential to be defensively. Um, and then it's really just finding those pieces on offense to click. I mean, Curtis Samuel looked great today. Uh, obviously, McCaffrey's going to come back. You know, we've had people really step up this season. Mike Davis has had big games, DJ Moore. I could list them all, uh, but I think you'll see that if we get this defense to really click like it did today and then bring in a little more consistency on offense. We'll have a force to be uh, reckoned with in the next few seasons.
0: Definitely, one thing I, uh, that uh, Dom mentioned that I want to put touch on too is winning the battle of the line of scrimmage. I thought for the majority of the game, our line did a very good job against that front seven because that's a terrifying front seven. When you look at just names alone, I mean Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, obviously Ryan Kerrigan's still back there. Teron Payne, even like the amount of first rounders on that front seven is just aggressive in itself. So, Tyler, I mean, talk about you know how the line kind of stepped up today.
2: Yeah, so in the beginning of the game was, you know, looking rough, uh, especially that defensive line. Um, and, you know, um, speaking about the trenches, first and foremost, I think our defense line stepped up But we can get to that later. But, you know, our offense line, uh, you know, it held its own today. And I think we can credit um, our offensive system. And we did, We haven't talked about this a lot this year, but we've been able to get the ball out quickly this year and not uh, have, make Teddy hold it forever because, we, we know that we don't have a lot of talent up front. We, we don't, but we, we were able to hold up and hold in when we need to. And uh, especially when we are in the quick game, um, that's, we're going to be able to uh, work well there. And, you know, that's not to say that our offensive line played bad or just average today. They, we had some, you know, we had good rest where all five of them came together and, you know, we could really make things happen, but it, slowly together as a union uni, unit unit um, we've had, you know, pretty consistent five guys in there. Um, You know, a lot of teams throughout the season are are rotating, cycling guys in and out of the offensive line. And that's really tough. Uh, uh, You need that continuity in there to develop, you know, some chemistry. And I think we've been able to do that over the course of the season for the most part. And I think we kind of saw that come together today.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week. You know, Cam had, what, maybe 20 different O lines every single year he played for us. And so at least this year, you know, they might not be the best O line, but you, I mean, it's a, like being in an offensive lineman is about technique and it's about chemistry. You have to know what your guys around you are doing, you and you all have to execute well. So if you at least know what your guys around you are doing, you can execute as well as you can and hope it works out. One of the stats that I saw that I was really surprised about, and Dom, I don't know what your thoughts were on this, we were last, or we're, we had the fewest um, three and outs in the NFL. I don't know if that's changed going to this week, but that, that surprised the heck out of me.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely. I totally agree. That's actually uh, something I wrote down. I did not know that it either. I was like, I had to double check. I actually went online, and I was like, that, that cannot be. No, so, yeah. So, and I mean, the, you know, just continuing to have the playmakers that we have. You know, Teddy does get the ball out quick, um, and that's just, you know, credit to the offensive line. I mean, we do give up sacks, but that is, you know, Teddy holding the ball a lot longer than he should be, but that's, you know, later on in the conversation. But yeah, I mean, overall, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. When you have guys like Charles Davis on, I had to make sure I, I double checked the fact too. I was like, is that, is that right? Is that real?
1: Yeah, that definitely. did not make any sense at all, but then, you know, you come to think about it and then, um, you know, those third and short situations you got Mike Davis, you know, and then Rodney uh, Smith filling the line, you got slant routes coming from Robbie. Um, I think he's fourth in the NFL and slant routes alone. Um, and then yards after the catch, I think he's in the top five as well. So, um, you know, when you have players like that, it's really easy um, to have that happen and make it quiet because, you know, we are a quiet team. We're a regional team. Um, you know, we barely get any games. I'm surprised we were even flexed today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I explain mean, that
0: to me? Because I have no idea why we, I don't know what storyline I thought. I mean, I looked at the other four games I like, oh my God, these are really good games. You had Seahawks and Rams. You had uh, Cowboys and Eagles. Like you knew at least with Hurts, that was going to be a shootout. And Andy Dalton, you know, he yeah, actually, the Red Rocket played really well today. But yeah. I just saw our game, and I was like, why is our game joined with these games? It makes, it just makes no sense. I don't know if it was a scheduling issue or something with COVID. It was just. Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, I really loved, yeah, yeah, I definitely love it. You know, I got off work a little early. So, uh, yeah, I got to watch most of the games. So, that's great. Yeah, I know for sure. No, so I was very excited when I saw that stat as well. Um But, yeah, you know, that's.
0: I say it's a little, honestly, almost kind of upsetting, and it speaks to kind of the system of this offense where you don't have that many three and outs. You actually can be productive on, and you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Then you get to the red zone, and balloon deflates, and everything goes to hell in a handbasket. So that's something that's been a huge issue this year. I mean, for the most part, today they look fairly, you know, they, they were fairly efficient on offense. But I want to know, Clay. We talked about it obviously uh, the first time you and I talked on our first podcast about Teddy. And we, we, we had, you know, differing opinions on Teddy at that point. I want to know what your outlook on Teddy has been throughout the season and on his future. Yeah, correct me if
3: I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that he's a two-year plus one option, right? I believe it was a two-year plus one. It was right.
1: Right.
3: So he's he's got, plus one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's got next year, and then we'll reevaluate yeah. after that. Um, right. You know, I think Teddy definitely brings something that we were missing with Cam, um, just in terms of the consistency of, his throws for the most part. Um, and I think that's what he brought on paper. Uh, has that played out as much this season? I don't think it'd be fair to say yes. Um, I can see the, you know, thought process of bringing in a guy like Teddy. Um, you know, we had that one week with PJ Walker and, um, you know, I know that I listened in on the discussion on whether we should start PJ or not. Um, and I disagree. I don't think that PJ would be the guy going forward, but I'm not quite sure Teddy is either. Uh, I think that he's really good for what we're trying to do now. Um, and as we mentioned, this team has, you know, a lot of potential going forward um, and we're missing a few pieces. And I think quarterback is going to be one of those going forward. Um, but again, for what the Panthers are right now, I think Teddy's a good fit. Um, you know, throw the price tag out the window. We've got, you know, one more year, maybe two, if we choose to go with him um, and let's see what we can accomplish. you know, build guys up, build the receiving core up, you know, let the defensive guys get good reps, but not put them under pressure to you know constantly win games and set them up for failure. Um, you know, and let's just see what we get. So yeah, I mean, Teddy is a guy that you want to see him do successful, you know you love the story, um, but I think that when his time comes to an end to Carolina, it will be that he was kind of more of a squad role guy than really a difference maker.
1: Yeah, a little yeah. bridge quarterback. Yeah,
3: right.
0: Yeah. He, speaks to, he speaks to his own name. He's a bridge quarterback, right yeah. there. What you'd think from him, and that was that's what you know. It's it's hard to root against him, and it's hard to you know actively you know want him to not do well or to argue with him, but because it's just of his story. And I think honestly, the refs give us a little more sympathy as a team because we have a Bridgewater now. Like that fumble, that that fumble. I was like, that was a that was an incomplete pass. I did not think we were going to get that fumble right off the bat. And we thought we were even texting about that, Clay. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why the heck they gave us that call. <laughs> Cause yep. I, maybe because they have to, they like Teddy it's like yeah give him the call
3: he's a nice guy <laughs> yeah I, I definitely think that we got some friendly calls in the game too but you know if i circle back to statistics uh i thought the one that really surprised me was that we lead the NFL in fumble recoveries with 14. absolutely um, and you know when you think about it and you go okay yeah that makes sense you know we've had some really big plays and we've had some guys step up this year um defensively but that's kind of a I think that's a really exciting stack or stat, excuse me, because you know that's not something that happens all the time that your team lands on the fumble. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you'll knock it loose, it goes out of bounds, or somebody else jumps back on it. Um, but to have you know 14 times that we've come out on the better side of that, sometimes you know that's a little bit of luck. Um, but yeah, you know, I hate to keep harping on it, but I'm really excited about this defense going forward. I, I think that it's got some really really cool pieces. I think Brian Burns got absolutely snubbed by Chase Young um, in the Pro Bowl stuff. Um, And I think, you know, Jeremy Chin definitely flies under the radar, 100%. Um, And I know that you guys are definitely loving on him, but uh, there's a lot of fun stuff to look forward to, I think, coming in the future.
0: And that's different than we've, you know, we normally have at Carolina. I mean, that was always the problem, like, that was the problem back, you know, with Cam in that era, especially after the Super Bowl, we are like, okay, we got a window for, 85% 85% of his team where they have three years basically that we need to get success to them, but, you know, with Greg and DD and um, Ryan Cleo, we got to get these guys in the playoffs before they retire. That was a we, That was what our, our kind of mindset was from basically 2011 on with a lot of the guys we had around Cam, especially even like in the Super Bowl, the age of the roster that we had in the Super Bowl with some of the guys that we had, especially on defense, where you had Jared Allen, Charles Tillman, Roman Harper, all those guys starting at the same time. Now you're in a different place where, that's the sky's the limit for a lot of these guys. And as long as we can keep them happy and keep them here and be able to pay all of them, we have a good base of a team on both sides of the ball that we can keep cultivating as the years goes on, years go on. That fumble thing that you mentioned, I think that speaks a little bit to snow because snow is something we were really hard on at the beginning of the year. And we've gotten, we've got gained a lot more respect for. And I think that's a coaching thing, you know, where in practice and drills, I think it means a lot of these fumbles are more forced than they are just kind of happenstance, you know, that's a lot more punches. It's a lot more pulls. And then teaching, you know, the minute you see the ball, you go right down on it. You don't try to scoop it. You don't try, you just fall on it. And I think that's, you know, a big thing for Snow. Another set that I wanted to talk about that it surprised me too, and it makes me also a little sad too, that had, or that I think if uh, Teddy were to continue to play the way he was, I don't know if how today factored into it, but he said at the beginning of the game, Teddy would be the most, would have the best QB ra- uh, completion rating in franchise history for any of our quarterbacks. That's wild to think of. Tyler, I mean, does that make you, the receivers that Teddy has now, I mean, if Cam had those consistent, you know, and built up as receivers, how much better, you know, could that – could Cam have been with all of them, especially with some of the guys he had to throw to?
2: Yeah, going back to the days with Cam, it was always uh, – we needed to give him more help. We we always had to give him more help offensive line receivers. Um, we, we all know the receiver list that he went through and especially the receivers he played with in the Super Bowl. Um, So, yeah, I mean – now, I mean, we all we all follow Cam really closely now and uh, we just r- wish for the best for him, you know, even in New England. But, um, you know, I, as I do think he would be great with those receivers and it would it'd be, a, you know, the best receiving group he's ever had in his career. Um, Him and Teddy are play a lot different. They're polar opposites. So Teddy's going to be more careful and completion percentage. That's, that's his game. That's going to be his game. Cam is going to be more, you're taking shots downfield, you know, a little bit more risk adverse, but he's going to, you know, have a big payoff. So, you know, maybe it won't be the uh, completion percentage if, if it was Cam in here, because, you know, just based off the way they play, Teddy's, as we know, is the more, uh, careful player as Cam's going to take some risk because he can because he has the arm talent because he has the athletic ability to do so but um you know if I, I would have just loved to see Cam with this group of receivers and you know it's 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 unfortunate that it's a year too too late
0: yeah don't get me wrong I mean Cam was definitely not obviously the most accurate quarterback at all but the problem was always that the minute he would start to get hot and get accurate our receivers couldn't catch anything he threw to them I think the worst one was back in I think it was either 2017 or 2018 We played the Saints in the wild card, and he was having to throw to Brenton Burson. And uh, uh, there was another one he was having to throw to, like a a glorified punt returner. That's just where it gets gets kind of upsetting. But Talking about, you know, especially with the offense today, I mean, it seemed there was a lot, you know, it seemed for me the play calling had stepped up this week. I don't know what y'all thought about that. I don't know if you thought the same way.
1: Uh, I did actually. Yeah. I mean, it was a little anemic at first, um, you know, running the uh, east to west, but um, I really do think, you know, once Joe Brady decided to know what he wanted to do, pound the ball, like, like Panthers true football, you know, pound the rock. You wanted. I think we said that we wanted to run the ball at least 30 times a day. Um, so, you know, he got the slants that Teddy threw, we pounded the rock and then we finally had those deep throws, you know, with Curtis Samuel to finally make those plays and DJ Moore. So I think uh, that was one of, one of uh, Joe Brady's better games of calling um, you know I'm glad it wasn't you know that close um, to the point where you know he would have had to make a, that extreme call you know that make or break call that um, you know we would harp on him here on the show yeah, uh, yeah so um, yeah I think overall I think he did a pretty pretty good job like I said um, one of his top three or four um, coaching performances today for sure
0: now we talk about CMC, we talk about Mike Davis. One guy that, I mean, I've seen flashes from him, and I don't know where he fits in the offense and, the, and the, you know, the running back room. But Rodney Smith, talk a little bit about him because he he impressed me a little bit today. I don't know about you, Dom, but I, he, he impressed me.
1: Yeah, he impressed me absolutely, yeah. Um, I really didn't expect him. You know, I looked at him um, up a little bit more. You know, I knew that um, about him a little bit. But, yeah, the ones who punch with him and Mike Davis, you know, it's the next man up mentality, especially, you know, with the NFL and everything like that. And, um, you know, CMC has missed 12 straight games now. Um, so, you know, it, definitely the next man up mentality. So, you know, Cannon, Cannon as well, you know, got in there and he ran the ball pretty well. But, yeah, Rodney Smith, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I have him written down in my notes as well. Yeah. So I think he he played really well. Yeah. And he stepped up, you know when he needed to. Yeah. And, um, he, he's a very downhill runner, which a lot of people don't give him credit for. Um, he's a smaller back, but, um, you know, he has a lot to brew chip on his shoulder. Um, so yeah, he's a downhill runner, just like, um, just like Davis, but I really do think that he ran the ball really well today.
0: I know Todd was a fan of him and was happy when we, we, we had picked him up and and that's just something, especially when you have like you talk about McCaffrey, I think for the one thing, everyone needs to pump the brakes on McCaffrey. I understand, you know, they talked about like the three injuries, if three injuries is really not three injuries. If anything, maybe like two, two and a half. I mean, we do obviously with the you know with his longstanding injury, the shoulder that was kind of circumstance. We saw what happened at the end of the Chiefs game because he was playing fairly well in that Chiefs game. He was you know it looked like we had you know McCaffrey back. And then now we've talked about it. The season does not really mean much for the Panthers for the for the future of the team. I mean, the bat at, at the time of the Chiefs game, we might have been able to make a run, but I don't think we would have gotten that far unless like we were playing some, the NFC to ever the world is going to take that playoff spot because lord knows who it's going to be they just know they're going to have a losing record when they have it but i mean so i you know i'm not super concerned about mccaffrey i just think they kind of i am a little concerned with our our medical staff because i they they just scare me whenever someone has an injury it doesn't seem like that same injury is always lingering for a couple weeks and it never seems like it's fully healed but i just mccaffrey he's he's a workhorse he's an insane and i think now you know um because clay we talked about a little bit you know he was always the you know, he was Cam's go-to target, receiving, running, no matter what. Now, a little bit, you know, especially with Teddy, if, you know, if Teddy's who's running the helm next year, doesn't always have to be McCaffrey. Teddy's got this repertoire with, you know, and he's got this rapport with, you know, with Robbie and with DJ. So it might not always have to be McCaffrey getting the ball out of the flats. Um, so that definitely is a little bit uh, better, I think. But other than that, I just wanted to know, you know, especially, Clay, for you, we had talked about a little bit, well, your thoughts on McCaffrey, just kind of his future.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the coolest things about McCaffrey, I remember someone saying that he's got be like water stitched on the inside of his suits. Um, and that's kind of the way he plays, right? He avoids the big contact. Um, even when you see the, you know, highlight reel flips, I think he had one of the commercials with him, you know, flipping into the end zone. It plays
0: every, it every path. Ever. Yeah. It's, it's making me sad. It's a good commercial though. Yeah. it is a good, commercial. Yeah, it is a good commercial.
3: You Gotta um, give him that. But, uh, <laughs> But no, I mean, I think that is a really cool thing about his game um, that's really underrated. He's a guy that avoids contact um, but doesn't play scared. And I think that, you know, with that kind of mentality that he has, we don't need to be worried about him coming back and being, you know, healthy and being able to play. Um, and to your point, we've got options now. I mean, the year that, you know, was his real breakout year, he was the only option on offense. I mean, if we're going to be honest. Um, and that's just not the case right now. Um would he still be probably the go-to guy on every down? Yeah, probably. I think so. Um, but you've got guys that like Curtis Samuel's been so good on third down this year. Um, and Robbie Anderson, I think, was somebody that I wasn't sure about, but he's been great. Um, and he's been a fun ad for the social media team, too, for sure.
0: Um, oh, yeah. He's a, but man's yeah. a national treasure. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, circling back to McCaffrey, I, I think that you know we're going to hit the reset button, obviously, on this year, as you mentioned. Uh, and come back 2021, he's going to be somebody with something to prove. I know that people are talking about, you know, Camara and uh, some of the other guys being, you know, some of the top backs in the league. And I think McCaffrey's probably sitting at home going, you guys forgot what I can do on the football field. So I'm going to be excited for that too, coming into next year.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to know kind of his mindset. I I, I'm not if he's kind of reserved and, you know, like, yeah, keep me out a little bit, you know, let me get fully healthy. So when I come back, I'm going to come back swinging. Or if, you know, he's biting his, you know, tongue, trying not to say anything because he wants to go in. I'm excited either way. And I think I'm still – that's where I'm still reserved on Brady because we talked about it when McCaffrey first went out. We had said that was the best thing for Brady because – when, when McCaffrey was in, that's all Brady, like he was just, I mean, he was fixing, he wasn't, you know, fixing what wasn't broken, but also he wasn't giving us that kind of volatile play calling we were expecting from him. He was just kind of giving, you know, I mean, anyone could go, I could go out there and go, all right, give it to McCaffrey. All right. Now give it to him on the outside. All right. Now throw a wheel around. Like I could do that every game and be fine if you had McCaffrey, but he wasn't, you know, that's not what we expect from him. So I mentioned to see how he translates to next year with his play calling. Cause that's another thing people need to pump the brakes on. I don't think he's going anywhere. He is not ready to be a head coach. He's shown that in leaps and bounds this year that he's just not prepared for. He wasn't prepared for the full, you know, fledged NFL offensive coordinator position yet. Um, obviously, it was a bit, a much different year with, you know, the pandemic and everything, but I still just don't, I don't think people are going to be looking at him. I can't see a, a, a team that's, you know, in need of a head coach looking at Eric the enemy and looking at Joe Brady and rationally choosing Joe Brady. There's like, there's just no, there's not a huge argument there. But um, even
3: when uh, they're tossing around Urban Meyer's name.
0: Yeah, like, I, that's, <laughs> I, 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 I when, they, when it comes to coaches and candidates and they throw the names out there, I'm always just like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. I, I mean, it's gotta be, I imagine it's going to be hard to judge, you know, kind of coaching talent, especially coming from college NFL, but like, there's just some of these I'm like, yeah, okay, calm down. That's,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Just, just, just calm down. So, one thing, uh, Clay, we especially were talking about, you know, the possibility of, of shopping the Is That's something that you're looking at. Or do you think, you know, you kind of just keep them on with us and, allow him to kind of be the guy who wants to be in Charlotte. Man, I hate the idea
3: of that. I know. You know, I think we've kind of hinted at it some, um, and we were talking about it in the pre-show. There is a real loyalty, um, you know, issue might not be the right word, but I'm going to say it. There's a real loyalty issue with, you know, Carolina. Um, And, you know, if you go back to guys like Steve Smith and then, you know, we go to Cam Newton and Greg Olson and Thomas Davis and some of those guys that weren't really cutting it anymore and an NFL caliber. And you're seeing that with where they've gone. Uh, And, you know, we wish them the best wherever they've gone. Um, And I think you see that loyalty there. Um, But we have an issue with, you know, letting go of those guys. Um, But I don't think that that's the case necessarily with McCaffrey. Um, If we're running into an issue where, you know, he doesn't fit anymore um, or he's costing us too much money, then maybe you've got something, right? I think we missed a window with Steve Smith early on when we could have had some real value for Steve Smith. Um, And it was fun to see him those first few years with him and Cam. I remember Cam's first game against Arizona um, Mm -hmm. and seeing what that, you know, had the potential to be. Um, But for sure, I mean, I I don't think that McCaffrey is someone that you want to see go. um, And it's hard to even, you know, mentioned in the same sentence that he might not work out in our offense, let alone any offense. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: so, yeah, I mean, I think that there'd obviously be a lot of people that would be interested in him. Um, yeah. I guess that's what I'll leave it at.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like loyalty blinders. There's some guys that we're like, you know, we're so blinded to them wanting to succeed with us that, you know, we don't even think of the idea of kind of shipping them away to maybe succeed somewhere better so that we can succeed in the long run. And you kind of see that with, I mean, and it was apparent today, like like I know for me, I would have rather had Rivera and the football team win this game today so that Rivera can make the playoffs. And like, in no other circumstance would you think, uh, I mean, no other, I, I don't think in any of the fan base, you would hear something like that where you actively would rather your team lose, you know, not just to get a good, uh, you know, playoff or a good pick, but so that, you know, the other team can succeed in the same conference and make the playoffs. But that's just kind of what happens, especially, you know, with you have these guys like Rivera and it's hard. I mean, when you have guys like Greg Olson and Ron Rivera, it's hard not to stay loyal to them just because of the guys, the people that they are. But um, it's, it's family it's family and loyalty, and it sometimes can be too much, but it also sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's just needed. And you see it, especially this week, um, we, we, we can't go this episode without mentioning it. Um, we were so sad to hear about the loss of Kevin Green um, and we our thoughts and prayers with this family. And you, you saw with the Panthers. I mean, he played three years here, but the entire Panthers organization and fan base, you know, poured their heart out on social media and to his family, you know, Saying you know, just kind of paying their respects, and I mean, for a guy who's played here for three years, you know, there's some. I mean, obviously, he had a huge impact while he was here, but that's just you know, not something I think you see in a whole lot of fan bases that I think makes our fan base you know, special. Um, so we definitely want to, uh, you know, pay, uh, you know, send our prayers to that family, and just I mean, that was a, a sad moment to see when I saw that pop up on my phone as well. Um, so now going into you know, kind of looking at the metrics of the game and kind of the outcome after winning this game, Tyler, our know, resident draft connoisseur, what you know where do we kind of sit right now with the loss stands and kind of with the way the, 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 the week has looked in terms of a draft pick? Because we were kind of, at, during the game, we were, we, were, we were really hoping we would lose so we could get a good draft pick. So now what, what does it look like now?
2: Yeah, you know, going into this week, um, we weren't really sure where we would fall with a win or loss draft pick wise, and especially knowing that we have week 17 coming up too. So, you know, last podcast, you know, I I was personally for, you know, we got to go out and win and, you know, rally as a young team, a young coaching staff, and it's good for the culture, which, you know, Point real quick. Uh, Clay was talking about how we have those 14 fumble recoveries on defense. I think a lot of that can be charted up to a culture and um, hustle on the defense. You know, you don't accidentally recover 14 fumbles on on accident. And that's a benefit of having young guys on defense to fly around and, you know, play hard. And it's good to see that even this late in the year that we're not really playing for much and we still got guys uh, flying around. That's how you know that this coaching staff, uh, we're going to be all right. Um, but you know, draft pick wise, um, once I did hear that uh, once Cincinnati got the win and I l- heard that if we lost, you know, that we would have the third pick. Um, not going to lie, that was really enticing. So um, I watched the game keeping that in mind. Um, but now, of course, with the win, as it stands now, we have the tenth pick in the draft, um, going into week seventeen. And uh, we're gonna play the week uh, the Saints next week, which we'll get into, and they they'll likely have something to play for. So it's not gonna be one of those games where, uh, they, they got their backups in or anything, but um, you know, a win in that game will set us back some, a couple more spots, but you know, a loss we're back, we're right back in at quarterback range. So, uh, you know, I you know, the pan, the coaching staff, they're, they're there to win. Um, they're not going to be thinking about draft position at all. And, you know, we missed it last week, but uh, we, Marty Herney, our GM actually got fired a, a couple a couple hours after we recorded our show last week. So there's no GM over them. Uh, over our coaching staff right now telling them to lose these games either. So they have no pressure to lose. They are – they're getting – they're working they're learning, right? Matt Rule, this is their first year in the NFL. They're learning and becoming a coaching staff. And, you know, I think it could pay uh, dividends in the long run. And I think it's going to be something that has to happen too.
0: No, definitely. And you mentioned it. So the GM spot's open, so we're all going to make our case as to why we should be the GM. We're going to put our, you know, resume out there. Tom, so stuck with you. What is – if you have a pick, you know, marginally top 10, maybe top 15 – What are you at least doing with that
1: first-round pick? I'm actually going to go best player available. Um, I know we need a quarterback. I know we need a quarterback for the future. Um, But we also need an offensive lineman. And we've needed a left tackle um, for, I think, for the past uh, 25 years, except for growth. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, and you know. So, I think we go best available. Um, Hopefully Parsons is available. Um, But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Zach Wilson, he's – He's really, like, elevated, so he might be going in the top five. And you might see, you know, somebody fall, like the Alabama quarterback, um, through Mac Jones, you know, potential Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's not the most mobile guy, but I think that if, you know, if he stands up in the pocket, and that's kind of like what uh, Joe Brady had, you know, with Joe Burrow. So, you know, Joe Burrow's not the most, you know, mobile quarterback in the world, but he can get the job done when he needs to. Um, you know, SEC guy, big, big arm. Um, so I think it'd be a good fit, um, you know. But, yeah, I think either best available, um, you know, offensive lineman or, um, yeah, that's what I got going on.
0: You know I'm going to agree with the offensive lineman right up the yeah. bat. Clay, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know
3: we were talking about sliding back, right? I think we got, if we go back, we got Luke with the eight pick. Um, We got McCaffrey around the same place. Um, So it's not necessarily always about the, you know, what pick it is. It's how you use it. Um, Even this year, I think you would say that Jeremy Chin has wildly outperformed Derek Brown, who's looked great the last few games. Uh, But if you had to pick an MVP of our defense this year, Jeremy Chin's going to be on the list before you say Derek Brown. Um, So, you know, I agree with Dom that I think you you don't want to settle, um, and by that I mean I, I don't think that we want to just go for a quarterback. I mean, Jack, you mentioned your dad being a Titans fan. First, um, does anyone expect that that franchise is going to be able to do what they've been doing with Ryan Tannehill? Absolutely not.
1: No. Um, and
3: you know, we could have done that with Teddy this year had you know had it played out differently. Yeah. So, I think that you know, quarterbacks always exciting. You know, you get the Justin Fields, the Mac Jones, the, you know Zach Wilson, uh, but if it's not going to be the right fit for us, you know, take what's best available. Um, you know, we could still definitely use a linebacker. Uh, to hear Whitehead made a great play today, but I don't think you see that guy. You don't see him being a long term. You know,
0: I forgot his. I forgot his. I forgot his name. I forgot he was on the yeah. roster. <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, oh wow, Whitehead's on the field and making you know positive plays to help the team. Not right. Here.
3: And you don't see him being a mainstay of the defense. Um, You know, we still have Trey Boston, and I love the guy, but there's some weeks where you don't love the guy. Yeah. Um, And we saw that we, you know, filled a position with Jeremy Chin at safety, but, you know, there's another safety spot open. You know, there's corner open that we could go for. I think our D-line's really solid, so I would avoid there, and our wide receivers are really solid, so I would avoid there. But I think anything outside of that, as long as we're not settling, we're moving in a good direction. I, I have a lot of trust in this team
0: right now. I said, I'll let you go before I make my, make my piece.
2: Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot uh, that needs to happen before the draft. Of course, we got to look at these guys. We got to see who even comes out for the draft. We don't know. I mean, some guys might stay, especially in this weird year with COVID and stuff. But, um, you know, personally, I'd like to, you know, get some eyes on these guys and get more of a firm opinion on some of these guys coming out in the draft. But person right now, I'm not sure what I would do. I'm not sure, especially not knowing which pick we have, not knowing what we have available to us. What I will say though, is we we bring a new GM in here. He's going to want to tie his hip to a quarterback that he, you know, puts his trust in and, you know, nothing's guaranteed in the NFL and you don't know when we're going to be picking, um, you know, potentially this high ever again. You know, we, we, you never know when you're going to have a chance at a quarterback. So a new GM coming in here, um, it's, if he's ready to tie his, uh, his job, his, you know, his career to a quarterback, then he's going to do it. Cause um, you know, at the end of the day, Teddy's not the answer and you don't get too many shots to get a quarterback that is uh, could potentially change the franchise. So, but uh, if there's any quarterback that shows any signs of life that our new GM, whoever it's going to be uh, wants to, you know, you know bring in as the future starter of the Panthers maybe not even year one and I'm sure we'll get to that all offseason but um but yeah um there's definitely it's probably most likely that we draft a quarterback as of now and see that's what and I'll make two points here and that's what kind of confused me because
0: when the firing happened I I mean obviously I was happy I mean Bernie did do a lot for the organization but he also there was a lot of mistakes that he made in terms of you know free agency and, and contract you know management as far as the draft goes you know Obviously, his his resume speaks for himself and some of the picks he made. What I was interested is in when we first talked, when this honestly the same time last year, when Rivera got fired last year, we we're like, all right, owner's cleaning house, the GM's gone, head coach is gone, they're gonna do all that. Like, that's what we thought was gonna happen. And we were confused as to why, you know, Herney was still around. We didn't understand why, you know, he was supposed to be interim, that was supposed to be it, then he was gonna be gone. We were really confused as to what had happened. And it wasn't until we talked with former Panthers lineman and, you know, now works for the media team a lot. Or he used to, excuse me, used to work for the media team a lot. Now he's with um, Chapel Hill. We talked to Kevin Donnelly. And Kevin, you know, he kind of explained, you know, the process, the kind of the GM's season. The GM season starts pretty much week three or four in terms of they're already looking forward to the draft. So you've got a guy, if he's come in around, you know, the beginning of the season, he's already working on his on his draft. And so you, if you fire him, you know, towards the end of the season – that's a pivotal moment for the team in terms of, you know, then you have to put someone in who's going to get ready right away for the draft coming up. Of course, we didn't know when the draft was going to be when, you know, COVID and all that was going to happen. But that's what was interesting to me because it seems like we had those questions around the same time last year. So now you're putting yourself in a weird position because you've got two, you know, a week and a half left in the season. You know, the draft is going to be, I mean, it seems like the draft's already around the corner, which is crazy because it seemed like we just had the draft two months ago. But so now you're playing, like, it's just like you talked about now a new GM is going to want to come in and make his mark known with the team, especially with his new owner. And I think that's going to, that's a situation that's going to create problems in, in itself, because I think there was a lot of gel with rule and with Herney in this last draft. I think they both understood what they wanted to do. I think that's why you saw a lot of defensive guys get picked up because of rules mindset. Now, you know, it's kind of everything's up in the air in terms of those draft picks. So I was surprised. I was surprised Herney got fired when he did. I thought they were going to let him go at least one more off season make those draft picks that then get them out of there. I, I wouldn't have liked it, but I mean, that might just create a more cohesive structure when you go into the draft. <clears throat> second point I'll make is that it's something that Clay talked about. And I'll touch on it again. And that's the, the, I'm trying to think of the word, way to describe it. I guess the Tannehill conundrum. I think what you saw there is that way, obviously they made a huge splash in drafting Marcus Mariota at the time. He had one of the most you know prolific college careers. He was insane coming out of the gate. Everyone wanted a piece of Marcus Mariota obviously didn't turn out very well. What they were doing under the under the radar that people didn't really notice was getting significant talented linemen in the draft. They drafted Taylor one, They draft Jack Conklin. They draft guys like Nate Davis that no one has ever heard of, or Ben Jones. They draft them that turns out to pay off really well. This was their they drafted them an offensive lineman. This you know first round, which Jeff will tell you though Isaiah Wilson was about the only one that hasn't paid out for the Titans, and they haven't seen nothing from Isaiah Wilson because he hasn't even stepped on the field. I, that's where my main argument is. When Clay and I kind of talked about it, I think. I really hope they don't bring in a rookie quarterback this year. I really, really don't. I, I mean, I understand in terms of like you don't maybe want him to succeed. You don't, you're not expecting him to succeed right away per se, but in terms of the team we have now, you're not – like T- Teddy has forced a lot of turnovers and forced a lot of you know bad plays. You're telling me a rookie with the same offensive line isn't going to make those same exact plays even because he's had less experience in the NFL? Like sure, he might you know be able to be mobile and kind of make things happen. We've seen guys like Kyler Murray do it. You know, create something out of nothing, especially with the kind of the guys they have. But with the offensive line we have right now, I know it's been consistent, but that doesn't mean it's been good. Those are two very different things. And in my mind, it, that's what the, that's why Tannehill has been able to do what he's been able to do, and that's why Teddy hasn't. Because even without Taylor the One, I mean, without when Taylor LeJuan got injured, the Titans started to dip a little bit offensively, but then they just leaned on Derrick Henry and let him do what Derrick Henry does. But you see Tannehill, I mean, he's makes some. he got insane time in the pocket for the most part. He makes insane throws downfield, and he's able to move around because of the line that's built around him. And that's been the problem. It's what Don said. This has been a team that almost since its conception has just blatantly for the most – 75% of the time just ignored the offensive line position. I mean, we've gotten some diamonds in the roughs like Jordan Gross and Ryan Khalil all throwing a a plug for Kevin Donnelly. But we've had some guys like that, but then we've also had guys – that we thought were going to pan out that didn't. So I don't know if there's a sour taste in their mouth from guys like, you know, Jeff Ota or some, or Michael Orr that have left a sour, a sour taste in their mouth. Um, we all know how I feel about Mike Remmers. Clay got to witness my hatred to him firsthand a lot of the time when we live together. But I, it's just, it's upsetting to me because I think that is what's going to end up happening is they're going to go for a quarterback because they're afraid that they're not going to have another chance you know, this year or the year after. In my I just, you got to build the draft is where you build or you build in free agency. We know this team does not really, up until the last years, the team does not make moves in free agencies. It's been the most active we have been in the free agency period in a long time. I mean, up in, other than Robbie, you know, I mean, Robbie's not the most prominent one, but I mean, for the obviously the most prominent free agency, you know, pick we've ever had has probably been Greg Olson, but we also got Jeremy Shockey that exact same year. So it's just been, the front office has always been kind of iffy. And I think that's like, You think, you know, the success of a team is built on the players and the coaching staff. I think in the next two years, the front office holds just everything in the palm of their hands for the success of this team. The decisions they make with the young roster we have and the direction, because that was the biggest thing this year. I know for us, we were really confused in the offseason what direction they were trying to take. Were they trying to rebuild? Were they trying to win now? Because, you you know, you cut Cam, you cut Greg, you do these things Okay, you're trying to rebuild. But then you pick up guys that can be can create you know efficient offenses like Teddy and like Robbie. And like, okay, what are we doing? Like, I don't I don't know what we're doing. So in my mind, I'm going with the first with, you know, if, if it were up to me, y'all know I would go offensive lineman, round two, offensive linemen, round three offensive linemen. I'm doing all linemen every every single pick. We went defense all defense last year. Let's go all offense this year. We can get maybe a running back, maybe a quarterback, but all linemen. But something that Clay, I want to talk to you about because I know. Cause you also, it's a weird conundrum in terms of this particular player, but we've talked about, it. I don't know if you listened to it, but there's a guy that we brought up now, obviously just signed a big contract. So we'd have to make some moves money wise, but there's a guy I know who wants to get out of Houston because the way that teams are playing and that is Deshaun Watson. And if he can make guys like Willie Snead look good, imagine what he can do with our wide receivers. So what would you, what would your thought process about be for going after Deshaun Watson, trying to get him out of there and get him on our team? Yeah,
3: that's interesting. Um, I got to go back real quick because you mentioned um, Greg Olson and Jeremy Shockey, uh, and I don't know if he would be a very practical pick, uh, but I love Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Um, he's I, a guy that go, he's a guy that's going to go really early, um, and I my only concern with him would be that uh, does he turn into a, Devis, a Devin Funches kind of guy? You know, a guy that played Devin Funchess played tight end at Michigan, uh, yeah. converted to a wide receiver. Um, but for the sake of throwing a name out there, I think we all said a lot of things that we don't want to see out of the draft. Um, but something that would be cool to see out of the draft, I do really like Kyle Pitts.
0: Um, it's always unnerving yeah, when, when you talk about Florida and then you say the first name Kyle. I know you wouldn't have said Kyle <laughs> Trash, but that's always, like, <laughs> please don't say it.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I'll keep away from Kyle Trash. Oh, I mean, uh, Trash. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I kid. Um, but yeah, to Deshaun Watson, I mean, as a South Carolina Gamecock fan my whole life, um, that was the guy that really turned the tide for Clemson. Um, they had Taj Boyd there for four years. Oh my God, um, Taj Boyd. <laughs> I'll happily throw out there that he never beat South Carolina, uh, and that's not something you can say about Deshaun Watson. Um, the guy's a proven winner. Uh, you see what he brings to the table uh, in the you know running game, in the passing game and keeping things alive. I think that people love to say that Russell Wilson's underrated um, to the point where it almost makes him feel overrated with absolutely zero disrespect to Russell Wilson. Um, But, you know, someone like Deshaun Watson doesn't get that kind of love. And I think, too, again, it's he's in a smaller market team like Houston, um, and it's a team that, you know, clinically underperforms year after year, you know, no matter who they have. Um, I don't know what it would take to get him here, but I'll tell you what: if we do somehow get him here, I'm with you, Jack. We got to go O-line, 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 because that's the one thing that holds him back at Houston, or at, yeah, in Houston. As you see, every year he's in the top two or three in quarterbacks and quarterback hits and sacks um, and all those sorts of things. And you get to see how incredible he can be extending the play with that type of O-line that he has. But I don't think that you're going to see much more than we saw out of Cam if we don't protect him. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Even as a game cock, I would be more than happy to see Deshaun come here. Um, he would make game days really, really exciting.
0: And that's uh, that's what you you know. That's what, especially for a guy like Temper, you know, he's all about business, he's all about putting butts in the seats. I mean, if McCaffrey, you know, has been, I mean, that was your biggest guy, you know, put butts in the seats. And if he's, you know, if the next couple of years, I mean, who better, especially to bring, I mean, I don't know. You don't like it, but all the Clemson fans in Charlotte that are also Panthers fans. I mean, they just be, they'd be salivating. They'd be paying for every single ticket for every single Panthers game. They'd be coming out of the woodworks to see Deshaun Watson play for the Panthers. And I was one of those guys that I, you know, was always kind of reserved on Deshaun Watson because of my South Carolina affiliation. But just especially this season all the crap he's had to go through with that organization and all that they've done to make, like it's almost more than camp that they've done to literally restrict his success. They've almost done more. I mean, trading away their, his best wide receiver, giving him no run game or any, you know, wide receiver, any running backs or linemen to protect him. And he's still been in a lot of games. There's only been a couple games that they've lost, you know, down in the wire. And I mean, but you're right. If we didn't give him any linemen though, it'd just be like cam 2.0. We'd just be doing the exact same thing. And that's what always was so upsetting about you know the Cam Newton era is so that we just did we actively just avoided the things that make a quarterback like him successful. That's that's and you can't you can't do that that many years in a row. When you got guys like he's you're making Cam throw to what was I uh, I can't remember McNutt's first name, but that was Marvin. Yeah, Marvin McNutt or like you know all those guys that we had that he had to throw to that long list of just every name I read just made me made me more and more upset. I was like, did we really did we really do this to Cam for that many years? Um, Yeah, I mean, I was just
3: going to say another thing on Deshaun Watson, too, is um, you see after the Houston flood a few years ago, I think that something that we've always seen out of the Panthers um, and, you know, circling back to the loyalty thing, we don't bring bad people to this organization. It just doesn't happen. Um, I I think that you could, you know, have a conversation and enjoy spending time with anybody on that team Um, and any time that we've had an issue you know, with a Greg Hardy or something like that. They've been oh, out. <laughs> yeah, they, they're they out and they're out fast. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that Jerry Richardson, who had his flaws instilled in the franchise, um, and I think Deshaun Watson would fit right in there culture-wise. I mean, he seems like just a genuinely really good guy um, that's going to look out for whatever community he's involved in. And bringing him back to the Carolinas would definitely be exciting. As you mentioned, there's a huge – you know, college football, and definitely Clemson, but a huge college football in general connection to this area of the U.S. I mean, for so long, from D.C. to Atlanta, you didn't have a pro sports team, um, and that's why college football is so big here. I mean, you know, the SEC is—it just means more, um, and, and that mantra is from—that's what those people had, um, and those you know ties are still real and still really strong. Um, and it would be really cool to bring, you know, someone that, again, is just a good man back to Carolina. I think that that's something that we can all admit is a staple of being a Panthers fan is there's good people in this organization.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, when you have, you know, almost outright two or three guys that are in the finalists for Wall Great Man of the Year, you know, I, I always thought Greg got snubbed. More often, especially the year where they gave it to two of them instead, like two out of the three, and you're not going to give it to just all of them. That was, that made me more angry than any of the other, you know, any other, almost any of the losses that year. That made me more angry. I was like, really? You're going to give it to two of them and just not him? But I mean, no, you're right. That's a part of the culture that we have, and it's a part of the culture that was kind of instilled in the team from the get go. And it would just be awesome to see, you know, him come in. I mean, we, we can, you know, we, we can dream at least. I don't know what it would take because, you know, I think. They got him, they did him dirty. They got him to sign that contract right at the beginning before he saw how bad really the organization was going to be. And I can't remember if they traded Hopkins after they signed him or before. Um, I can't remember the timeline at all. But either way, you know, it, it, things just went downhill from there. It's not like the team got any better. And that's been, you know, kind of thing with us. And they, I, I hate it when they bring it up, you know, the eight game, you know, we've, they've been in eight games, but they've lost all eight game-winning drives. A lot of times, you know, the fans are quick to put it on Teddy. And or some fans are quick to put it on the defense. And I, I it's, t- I'm always, you know, against putting a team, you know, a loss on one player. Um, I don't know about, you know, you, Dom, what your thoughts have been on Teddy, you know, and some of these game winning drives, you know, these potential game winning drives. I know for me, I mean, some of these play calls that we made in those drives, you don't make those play calls. Those shouldn't even be the, you know, slants should not be run on fourth and eight. Digs should not be run on fourth and 15. That shouldn't even be a thing a receiver does when you're trying to get a first down. So I just don't know what your thought process has been or this, your allegus has been on, you know, the closeness of these games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just feel like, um, you know, they have been that close. And Teddy, you know, had had a good feeling for the first couple, three games, you know, that he was in it. And then I feel like he lost uh, confidence in himself. And I feel like actually Joe Brady lost confidence in himself, you know, as a play caller to, to really trust Teddy to make the throw downfield, to really read the defense, you know, and really make the right read. Um, but, yeah, I mean – that's been and that's been my yeah. biggest
0: issue, and Tyler, you can talk about it too. That's been my biggest concern and issue is that the whole basis of this team, you know, when we in the in the off was okay. Rule is bringing in guys that he is familiar with, that he knows are talented but might fly under the radar. And we were okay with that because okay that can you know that can create some production in terms of you know you already have this chemistry in a season in an off season where you basically don't have an offseason. you don't have a real training camp or mini camp and you don't have a preseason. To build that chemistry up so we were okay with that i don't understand why it is so hard to get the relationship between the coaches and some of these players to, to mesh you have you're, you've coached these guys you've been familiar with these guys for years some of them you know robbie or teddy or some of your guys on defense you have familiarity with them why is it so hard to to to, to gel together i mean you know you know what i'm talking about tyler it's so aggravating sometimes
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've seen progress throughout the year, but I almost feel like it was better in the beginning of the season. There was more of a connection. There was more of a, you know, gel, especially with the, players uh, that rule brought in because i mean robbie's been great all season but as we know he he kicked off the season on fire and he was he was looking great atop the nfl receiving stats um but it's, it's slowed down a little bit from there and i almost feel like he was better early on in the season which you know doesn't really add up considering that you know you hope more time together uh with these guys um builds that connection but even still Um, you know, this whole NFL thing is new to, to pretty much, you know, the whole coaching staff and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a new thing. And he, as rules, trying to, you know, mend these relationships with not just the players, but just people around the organization, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a building year and that those connections are so crucial. I mean, we can have all the talent in the world. We can have all the draft picks, but if we're, if we, if we're just a bunch of talented guys out there running around, we're not going to get very far. So Um, like you said we got to you know take the time to get these relationships gelled together the chemistry gelled together especially with the you know pieces our cornerstones of our franchise you know everybody has to be on the same page and you know looking into next season that's going to be something that we have to uh develop a stronger connection with
0: no you hit on the head That that was the problem with cleveland for the last two three years they had all this talent on offense and defense but they couldn't get everyone to play together well at the same time up until basically about this year and even then did they end up losing – did they lose that game to the Jets? I, I didn't yeah, catch no. Oh, wow. Good, good Lord. Um, yep. Yeah, so, it's that's a time great. like that. They are, that's hilarious. And, see, I think you talk about, um, you know, kind of the, the losing the confidence in, in themselves. I think that's – the Panthers – and I think it speaks back to the offensive line. You all know my, my – it ties the offensive line. But it's true because we did the same thing. I think that's what you saw, especially towards the latter end of his time with Carolina. Cam was doing the same thing. The offensive line puts you into position – to where you think you only have a couple seconds to get the ball out. And sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. And especially when you have a defense like we had the last few years, that what, like, you basically had to score 30 points with, with the defense we had last year to try to win a game. This year it hasn't been the same, but for a little while, before, you know, while the defense was getting to, you know, gel together, that was kind of the case. You know, that's why we were in a lot of these, you know, two minute drill situations. But I think you create this almost schizophrenia in our quarterbacks because they feel like they have to make a play. Every single time they're on the ball, or and if they don't make a play, it's their fault, and they've lost the game. That's why you'd see Teddy force a lot of these red zone turnovers, or a lot of these, you know, throwing into triple coverage, or eating sacks instead of getting the ball away because he was trying to get every single second he could to find someone who got to get open. I think that's a real problem that you create, and that's why you know I always say, you know, especially if you put a rookie in that scenario. But I mean, our defense, and that was the funniest part, is that you know we knew what we were getting from our offense. We were super excited for our offense. We're like, we're going to be fine. We're going to be like the top five offense in the league, and that doesn't. Not pan out per se, but we we were expecting nothing from our defense. We're like, yeah, that's going to be atrocious. And now it's been almost like a complete 180 where our defense isn't playing above and beyond what we're expecting it to. And it's not that the offense hasn't, but there's a, a huge problem with, you know, red zone efficiency, offensive production, and just, you know, being able to win within two minutes. And that's what it's like. I mean, Clay, I know you remember it too. Like, I think it was, I, I always say it's 2013, but I don't think it was 2013. It was, I think it was 2014 or maybe even 2012, that year where we had seven or eight games the same way where we lost by you know seven points or less and it was just i talked to them you know about it last week at that point i was a lot younger a lot more i mean not that much more mature than i am now but you know as a fan i was a lot more headstrong as a fan i those i would i would scream and, and fuss and hit things those games whenever we lose you know if a Lindo Mari would miss a field goal or if you know, something <laughs> would happen now i'm just kind of numb to it all i'm just like yeah we're going to blow – like, even in this game for the Redskins, I was like, they're going to get the onside kick. You know, only 10% of people ever get onside kicks, but they're going to get the onside kick, and they're going to find a way to win. I don't know if that's how you've been, because you remember how I used to be with what, when we would watch football games together. I can tell you I'm not like that anymore.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, we had to sometimes kick people out of the dorm room. But, uh, but no, I mean, I think to Dom's point, really, it's easy to throw the blame on individuals. Um and, you know, I think it's easy for people to lose confidence. You can see that in any sport that someone that's lacking confidence just doesn't perform the same way, uh, no matter what tools that they have. Um, and I think it's, you know, good that we can end the season with at least a win here. Um, and if, you know, for some reason we pull one out against the Saints too, then, you know, screw the draft pick, right? We've got time. You know, you mentioned earlier, we've got plenty of time to work on this team, Um, you know, next year, we're not going to say it's a win now or we're done, you know, you've got time. So let's take the wins when we can get them, um, you know, build some confidence in the game on a, or in the season on a two game win streak, uh, coming into next year and give those guys the confidence that, you know, we can get this done. I mean, even with Teddy today, right. I don't think anybody here would say that Teddy was exceptional today. Um, but he was enough to get the job done with how well our defense played. Um, and and that's what you need out of a good football team. You don't need it to be the best defense every week or the best offense every week, but you have to score more points than the other team. And we did that today with how good we were on defense. Uh, and next week it could be how good we are on offense. Um, so obviously you want to have that consistency and get those pieces, you know, gelled together. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, today being a good football team win, I think they mentioned that in the broadcast. It's a little cliche, but it was. You know, we weren't always firing on all cylinders, but, you know, today was the special teams in the defense that really sealed the deal for us.
0: Definitely. I think it is a b- more cliche, especially with who we were playing, almost like a kick in the face to them. <laughs> so you mentioned the Saints game, and we put it off a little bit because, I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about the Saints game. I mean, they will probably be playing for something. That's the way it's looking like. They're not going to be, you know, sitting everybody. So it'll be interesting to see how the game turns out. Um, you know, we go out every week. We say our predictions for the score. I haven't listened. I, I haven't. I have been listening. I just haven't checked back to any of the scores that we predicted and see if any, any of them are anywhere close to what the actual outcome of the game is. I think last week we all we all picked us to lose. I think so. None of that was right. But I mean, it's just what the Panthers. I mean, I was like, okay, the Redskins were going on a tear with the Steelers and the Seahawks. I was like, they're gonna they're gonna run all over us, and it was wild that they didn't. Um, so this week, I'm. St- I mean, I'm still gonna say a loss, and I hate to say that against the Saints. I I just don't. I I have no idea with them. I never know with them. The thing about the Saints games, it's always a fight. I think no matter the, the caliber of the two teams. I mean, it, even you know, last year. I mean, I think they blew have water last year, but of course they were, you know, weren't playing anybody, and we weren't playing anybody. But for the most part, the its always a close matchup. So this for this coming week, I'll go like, food. Hmm, I'll probably say like twenty-eight to fourteen. I'd say that's that's what that's
2: what I'm gonna go around. Tyler, I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm going to go 24-13 loss. I feel like you know we're going to be able to slow down that offense that's kind of been limited and almost you know one-dimensional over the last few weeks, almost the last few years actually. And Drew Brees is not him himself. Uh, he's not looked uh, like he has. And, you know, our defense is playing better. And we saw after at the end of this game, we were running around enthused on the field, real excited about that win. So I'm thinking we're going to carry momentum into this game to at least make it close. You know, it's a divisional game and we're, we're playing uh, like we're a developing team and we're going to be playing tough. And I know that. So it's going to be a close one.
1: Don, what about you? Yeah, I totally agree. I do think it's going to be a close one as well, especially because it is a divisional game. And uh, we're not in the dome, you know, we're, we're at home. So, you know, that is a big thing, Um, even though there is no fans. You know, Drew Brees is very, very comfortable, you know, when he's in the dome. And then if you look at his cold record or when it's raining, um, it's a little different, Um, you know, and he is hurt and, you know, he is throwing slants and, you know, he's not really, you know, elevating the ball and going deep. Um, So I think we're going to pull out the win, actually. Um, And then our defense is flying around. I mean, we're running a 3-3-5, which is completely different now. And I'm loving it. Yeah, Phil Snow is really implementing that. So I'm going to go – let's go 27 – let's go 27-20. We'll go 27-20 Panthers. I
0: see that. Yeah, yeah. First, before, I, before I talk to Clay, I'm, gonna say I'm never drafting NFC South wide receivers for fantasy again. I drafted – my receiving core was Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown. That should win me every game right there. And Michael Thomas and Julio Jones just have done absolutely nothing for me. So I just want to mention that. Of course, and they, I think they know that I'm a Panthers fan. I have hit them, so they're like, yeah, we're not going to play well this year. <laughs> but Clay, so what do you, I mean, that has a point. You know, we're going to be – we were flying around at the end of this game. It's a divisional game. It's at home. You know, ending the season at home. You never not want to knock, you know, a division rival down a pay in the playoffs? What do you think the guys have – to you know, how do you think they're going to kind of build off of that?
3: You know, I, I think we've talked a lot about how the Panthers play in history. Um, and so, for us being a 5-11 and team to win um, – you know, a pretty meaningless game in the grand scheme of things would be pretty fitting. Um, so I kind of like Dom's prediction. Um, I think if you're the saints, they might be, you know, thinking about feeding the hot hand, but Kamara had six, six touchdowns. Six, yep. And Adam six. <laughs> you don't see that very often. Um, it's like when Aaron Jones had four or five for the Packers a few years ago, you don't see their running backs have that kind of production. Um, and if they're trying to feed the hot hand with, Kamara, I think that's a guy that we can really work hard to contain I think we've got a lot of athletes on defense um and maybe we can get them to start slow and get a quick score like we did this week uh you know I could see something like a 24-20 um you know I think we've had close wins in the past against them we've had close losses um but I'm going to be optimistic here and say 24-20 win for the Panthers
0: We'll just have to wait and see what happens. And so, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of keep pushing as the season goes on. And, I mean, we've only got – it's wild. We only have one more week in the regular season. And, to something where we know we were, as a podcast, just waiting to record in the regular season. That's all we were waiting for. Now it's almost over. The season's gone by basically in the blink of an eye. I don't know if it's because of COVID or because – I mean, the season always moves a little fast, but it seems like it was a lot quicker, a lot quicker this year. But we'll just have to wait and see kind of how the rest of it pans out. And until next time, everybody, keep pounding. Cool. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. I know it was a bit different this year, but I, uh, this week, but I think it worked really, really.